and welcome to episode number 199 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell with Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and with me today is Mel Jolly. Mel and I are presenting two workshops at RWA, and we wanted to do a little podcast and talk about them. We talk about organization and newsletters, what pens we really like, time management, and building efficient habits. Our two workshops are on newsletters and on hiring a virtual assistant, and we talk about both of those topics as well. Then we talk about what books are rocking Mel's world. Please note there's a little bit of TMI in the beginning. If you're listening on speakers, you might want to put your headphones on. It's not drastic, just just a little bit. This podcast is brought to you by you. How about that? If you're a regular listener or you've just found the podcast, welcome and thank you. I really appreciate that you tune in each week. And if you'd like to support the show, may I invite you to have a look at our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash smartbitches. For pledges starting at $1 a month, you can help me improve the show, keep it going, and give me a hand in commissioning transcripts for the episodes that don't have one yet. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in each week. I really appreciate it. You're awesome. And if you happen to be working out right now, keep going. You have totally got this. The podcast transcript this month is sponsored by Kensington, publishers of Once a Soldier by New York Times bestselling author Mary Jo Putney, the first book in a brand new series about a dashing group of soldiers and spies, Rogues Redeemed. It has all the best of Mary Jo Putney's talents on display, captivating characters, daring adventures, gripping intrigue, and exceptional historical detail, all rolled up into a thoroughly passionate and complex love story. It's the historical romance of the summer. Don't forget to pick up your copy on sale June 28th. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater, and I will have information at the end of the podcast as to who this is. And of course, I will have links to all of the books and topics we talk about, including some tools that Mel uses, pens we both really like, and links to learn more about her newsletters and also mine. And now, on with the podcast. talk a little bit about what you do and about the workshops we're doing at RWA. Okay. No pressure. No pressure. Just, Just, you know, whole life story. Sum yourself up in one paragraph and go. Yes. Twitter length, please. Yeah. (laughs) At least your whole life characters, 140 characters. Yeah. When everybody had to get used to Twitter, (laughs) especially writers, they're like, no, I, I, I can't do 140 characters. I'm sorry. I do 80,000 words. Yeah. I can't bio myself in 140. I can do 140 subordinate clauses. How about that? <laughs> exactly. I like commas. Woo! <laughs> um, so I am Mel Jolly. I am an author's assistant, and I've been doing this since 2009, which when I first started saying it sounded kind of silly, but now it it sounds a lot more awesome now that it's finally 2016. I do this full time and that's pretty cool. That is very, very cool. Every time I get pajamas as a Christmas present, I hold them up and I shout, work pants. (laughs) (laughs) You know, know, I I remember telling people that I ran a book blog back in 2005 and people were like, "A, a what, what? (laughs) right forget book like book they got but book blog like what do those words have to do with each other and I I share your affinity for pajamas Mm -hmm. yeah although 
I have discovered that stretchy pants equal weight gain. Oh, yes, they do. Sometimes I have to make myself put on pants with a zipper. You know, like, especially as we prepare for RWA. And not only that, like, when I did go to, like, my real grown-up job in the grown-up world and I had to dress up and all that, I was never a makeup person. Ever. And so now to get ready for RWA, I will literally practice for, like, a week. (laughs) <laughs> not only will I practice <laughs> I will buy new stuff because I'm like well that's that's like over a year old I haven't used that so oh yeah I gotta get new eye makeup oh, yes. and then by like the fourth day of RWA or RT my skin is like are you for real who are you what are you yeah, doing do you really- want acne because that's what's next yeah well thank god the conferences are like four or five days long so by the time the acne really starts showing up oh, I'm yeah, already back up plane. who cares Exactly. I'm back at home. I'm back in my pajama pants. I'm back in my cone of silence. (laughs) Back into the introvert cave we go. Yes. Yes. Like I love conference, but this year, okay, so this year I am going to try to respect this about myself. I am trying to schedule like a two hour block of nap time slash silent time every day. Very smart. It'll be smart if I can like guard that time. Yeah, if I can say no, I'm sorry, I am booked at that time, and just not tell them what it is. It helps if you, if for me, if I use language that is non-negotiable. Like one year for a conference between three thirty and five thirty on my calendar, it said diarrhea, <laughs> and it was just sort of like, oh, oh, yeah, I got to go to my room. I'm sorry, and it was not an accurate statement. I wasn't like psychically predicting some sort of gastrointestinal <laughs> distress. Like that was a non-negotiable. This was all inspired by Elise saying, just nobody questions diarrhea. Just say you have diarrhea when there's a new book out. No one argues with that. That That's exactly right. And you know what, though? If if this were not a primarily female conference, you could use um, anything uterus related. <laughs> and it would... It would scare people into not talking. Now they not at RWA. It would be like, oh, do you have the right maxi pad? I've got three. Do you need one? Yeah, right. Let me tell you about this amazing maxi pad that I found. Oh wait, I bet I know which one it is because it has changed my life too. <laughs> what did you call it? The like the sham wow. That's Elise's term. <laughs> the sham wow of maxi pads. Yeah, you know that is one good thing if you forget. Oh, someone's I- got you. I totally went to spring fling and forgot that that was going to happen. So then me and my roommate, (laughs) she had a car and I'm like, you have to take me to Target. (laughs) You have to take me to Target right now. I mean, thank God we're good friends, but. Yeah, at a, at, at a conference full of women, though, like I travel, not only do I always have like a maxi pad and tampons, but I have like blister stick band-aids because mm-hmm. I'm just used to for being prepared for some kind of blood loss. <laughs> Somebody needs a Band-Aid. Somebody's going to need a thing. Like it's going to happen. All right. We have achieved pet duality. I have a cat on the desk and a dog underneath the desk. It's going to get okay. noisy. This is going to be great. I actually have to I shut don't... my laptop because he likes to lie down on it. Did you hear my dogs barking a second ago? I did. I was really excited. Okay. Well, good. That's the appropriate loudness for the podcast, yeah. which means they're in a totally different room with the door shut. Probably barking at nothing. It should be. Oh, remember when I was saying my bio? Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. I forgot what I was saying. That's fine. That's so how this I, works. I help authors. You I help, help authors, authors do, do things. all the things. You do all the things. I do all the things. At this point, I have, I have about 
15-ish clients, and that's about where I've stayed for the last three three or so years. And there, there are some come and go and turnover, but that's generally about the appropriate number for me. That and works. I have people that only utilize me for maybe two to four hours a month, and then people that utilize me for like 30 hours a month. So... What are the top like 10 things that you do for authors? Top 10 things would be, um, I have kind of a split between romance authors and YA authors. So for my YA authors, I set up a lot of school visits mm -hmm. and speaking events because there is a shocking amount of back and forth setting those things up. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> and I think people don't realize how much time they spend emailing. Oh, right. Yes. It's just like a complete and total time suck. And I've done it so many times that like I either have the answers memorized or I have this amazing thing that is Apple only, but they are in beta for non-Apple. What's non-Apple called again? Uh, PC. Yes. Okay. For PC. It's like what? Sorry. Linux? <laughs> I've been in Apple. Oh, God. I hope not. DOS? Uh, like, what are you talking so about? <laughs> it's called Text Expander. Oh, it's lovely. It's so good. Um, and you, you create your own shortcuts for things. So, like, I will create a shortcut that is a response to a really common question that I get about setting up a school visit. And I'll make it specific to that client. So, it'll be like semicolon you know, EL school visit, and then it'll expand into like four paragraphs. And so speaking events are, are a big one. And then I help with a lot of social media, which probably explains why I am terrible at my own social media. Oh, yes. Because by the time I'm done checking everybody else's social media, I don't want to look at my own. Like I have a Facebook that I'm friends with, like my friends from high school on I have probably posted once in 2016. I have a friend from college who was giving me a hard time over the weekend because my mother-in-law is better than me at posting pictures of my kids and she's just going to go friend <laughs> my mother-in-law instead of me because that's how she keeps up with her friends and she hasn't seen a picture of my kids in like a year and like my private, my personal Facebook, like who I actually am if you've been to my house and I fed you and you know, like you've mm -hmm. met the dogs, like that's where I connect with people who are personally friends versus my professional which is a separate profile sorry Facebook um yeah, and she's threatening too. to friend my mother-in-law because I'm so bad at it <laughs> and I was like yeah yeah I am I suck sorry they should friend my mother-in-law because she posts things that's totally she's very Facebooky she loves the Facebook it's funny because my my bacha which is Polish for grandma she is please tell me she's on Facebook and that I confront her yeah, she is yes. on Facebook. She probably, I don't know if she will friend you. <laughs> but she's, I have no idea how, how old she is. I just, all grandparents are 80. Okay. I, I, I don't know. But she is great at Facebook. And I'll try to call her, you know, because she lives in Missouri and I live in North Carolina. And I'll start telling her things and she'll be like, I know, I already saw it on Facebook. Okay. What are we, what are we I know that about? already. So maybe this is my strategy and not posting anything. That you have if better conversations with people? 
Yes, I can. I can call my boxer and talk about things. Well, then you have the strategy of, oh, I saw that on Facebook, and then you can talk about it again, which is what we True. do. True. Yes. True. She also texts, which is great. So, like, I can take a picture of my purple hair and text it to her. And she says, "I don't think she actually responded to that one. She thought it was a great idea, though." That's fabulous. My- my sister is going to do purple hair as well. One of my favorite trends of late is the number of women I see who have gone gray. And because mm. gray takes dye so well, it's like, mm. screw gray. I'm going green. I'm exactly. purple. I'm going fucking blue. Like the plumage of women who have just sort of like embracing gray as a base for a really awesome dye job is giving me so much joy. Mm-hmm. I had actually, like, this had been my plan. Like, as soon as I went gray, I was just going to go blue or I was going to go purple. And then one day I was like, you know what? I work for myself. Yeah. I don't have to wait to go gray. Go ahead. I'll go purple now. Good plan. And I'm sort of fortunate, like, knock on wood, that I really don't have gray hair yet. It'll come. I know. I have matching gray hairs in my sideburns, and I'm stupidly proud of them. I went to pull a gray hair out the other day and then realized it wasn't attached because it was a dog hair. Thanks, white dog. (laughs) I usually only get those on my pants. So let's talk about our panels. We have two panels at RWA this year. Yay! Yay! So excited. Yes. So one is about assistanting. Yes. And I, and I always feel like I should start every time I talk about virtual assistanting with the explanation to anyone who's asking, why are you talking about this, Sarah? That before I was a full-time blogger and wore lots of elastic waist pants, I was <laughs> the second assistant to a Fortune 100 CEO. So I was a very high-level executive assistant. And before that, I was a camp registrar. I managed a bunch of overnight camps. I've done um, – I worked in a graduate admissions office. So if there were – people who wanted things organized mm-hmm. and there were file folders possibly computers data entry and managing a whole lot of shit simultaneously i was usually in that job mm-hmm. and, and i didn't realize that's a very specific skill set to be organized across multiple projects with multiple things coming at you that's not an easy job to manage especially when it's you know like eight or nine different people or major things going on at the same time exactly and I think the other thing that as far as your um, career is concerned is in case people don't realize it, Smart Bitches has a a lot of moving parts. Oh, just like a few? You know, but I mean that (laughs) that, has many podcasts and the books on sale and the reviews and the help a bitch out. And, you know, that's that's a hell of a lot of things to keep up with and organize and schedule and, you know, keep the whole site from Yep. crashing and burning. And I have uh, I have very simple goals. I like sleep. I mm-hmm. am generally healthier and happier when I get at least eight hours. So yes. I tend to try to be organized because if I'm organized, I have time to go to sleep. And I like sleep. Sleep's awesome. But I also know that generally speaking, women, even if you're not an author, even if you're not a secretary or an organizational professional or an administrative professional, even if you're not doing anything where organization or creativity is a part of your job, most women, if not all of them, have multiple balls in the air at the same time. Absolutely. So just if you have like just trying to keep up with your personal calendar and then any other thing 
And then as soon as you have additional people in your life, whether it's a spouse or kids or parents, oh my gosh, like my calendar right now, I don't know what I would do without color coding. (laughs) (laughs) It's so helpful. And the thing is, I pulled up the week of RWA and I share calendars with several of my clients as well. And so, you know what, another major thing I do in conjunction with speaking events, even with my non-YA clients, is I do itineraries. And that's another thing that I did not realize is kind of a specific skill. Yes, because you have to organize time, space, distance, travel. Exactly. Um, and then you have to make sure that there's arrangements, that arrangements can be confirmed, that 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 if something goes wrong, there's an alternative. These are the things that you need to know. Oh, Yeah. When we were in, when I was in fourth grade. Are you dealing with private jets? Because that sucks, let me tell you. No. Okay, good. Just don't ever, don't ever deal with anything (laughs) having to do with private aviation. Just trust me. As soon as I get a client that's like, I have a jet, I'm going to be like, I'm sorry. You can FBO right out of here. No. (laughs) (laughs) cannot work together anymore. Thou shalt not work with private jets. Just trust me. (laughs) So... When I was in fourth grade, we had to do this like technical writing assignment where you're supposed to describe, I don't know, let's say a table or something like that. And everybody else's was a like a paragraph, you know, and it's handwriting cursive. Everybody else's is a paragraph and mine's like two pages yeah. long because I have described every inch. That is probably what I think of most often when I think of like walking through an itinerary, like I just put myself in that person's shoes mm-hmm. and I walk through every step and I think if this goes wrong, this is what you would you know, this is what I would need to know. And like, here's a picture of the person that's going to pick you up and here's their phone number and here's the second phone number. And you know, this is their name, but this is their nickname. And here's an interesting fact about them that you should know because they love your books Yes, and they've been talking my ear off about them. Yes. So I pulled up the calendar for RWA and I have so many different colors on here because I have my schedule. I have three client schedules and then I still have like my personal family schedule for my husband to keep yep. while I'm gone. Yep. And so I think I told you that I started using my <laughs> I started using a shared calendar to remind my husband of things. Yes. This so is that very I, useful. Yeah, so that I don't I don't get you know like I'm not nagging. Oh no no no. If if Google is nagging, it's not nagging. No, no. Google is a a reminder. You are nagging. Ding. Renew your driver's license. (laughs) Ding. Time to go to the pharmacy for a refill. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's a very specific skill set to be organized. And then I think you have to... I used to be very good at keeping everything in my brain. Like, when I had one job, in my history, I have been a... um, I was assistant to the president of a fabric factory. Mm-hmm. And then I got promoted into production planning manager. Whoa. It was an extremely difficult job. It was an extremely difficult job. Um, there were so many moving parts. I was planning every aspect. Like we would order yarn, mm-hmm. which is not yarn like knitting yarn. We would call it thread. But uh, I was ordering yarn and we were going from like bringing everything into fabric going back out the door. And I had to organize every department and then talk to our sales reps in New York and then lie to our sales reps in New York because I knew that whatever deadline I gave them, they were going to tell the client two weeks sooner than that. Mm -hmm. So like I had to add two weeks on. It was just an extremely 
difficult job. And that was probably the first time that I had to learn to not keep everything in my head. My head is not a place to keep things. <laughs> they my, fall head right is, my head is not for keeping. My head is for thinking and probably zoning out. <laughs> so I've had to be organized externally, but it also helps me because the higher up I got into organizational jobs, like for example, when I was working for the CEO, there were other people who did pieces of my job for other people. Mm-hmm. So I had to be able to hand off my information at a moment's notice in a way that right. someone would be like, okay, I see where you are. I'm taking over now. And that could happen at any time in many different ways. Mm-hmm. And so I not only had to be organized externally, but it had to be clear. It couldn't be in like Sarah language. Right. <laughs> I made an I make perfect sense to myself. Oh, training manuals are the shit. Yeah. I made, and this is something we're going to talk about in our workshop is how authors and their assistants can communicate Yes, because that can be a major barrier for people, I think. Yes. So for one of our sessions is virtual assistants and the organized author. And we are going to talk about how to identify whether or not you need a virtual assistant or if you would like one, what you would like to have them do. Mm -hmm. And that comes about as a result of the fact that as more and more authors are embarking on hybrid careers, they're taking on more and more responsibilities. And there's an incredible amount of empowerment and freedom in being told as a creative professional, you can do all of this yourself. You can do everything. You don't have to Mm -hmm. depend on someone else to do it for you. You can do it. But it's also an enormous time suck to be told you can do all of it yourself because there are things you can choose not to do yourself. That I will think free that up more time for the writing thing. Exactly. And I think that the people that are capable of learning new things and doing everything themselves are actually the ones that have the most difficult time hiring somebody. It's hard and generally, to go. Yeah. And generally, they're the ones that need to hire somebody um, because they're running a very professional business. But they're like, no, 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 I'm not going to pay somebody to do graphics because I can do them. Or... I'm not going to pay somebody to update my website because I can do it myself. Well, it, I mean, it's awesome that you can do it yourself. But if you have a book that released six months ago and it's not on your website yet, <laughs> you know? That never happens. I would also I mean, like to point out that on my calendar, I have a quarterly reminder to check my bio to make sure that it's up to date. <laughs> because, uh, like I said, my head is not a keeping things place. And the date or the time also are not kept in my brain. I have no mm-hmm. idea what year it is. I have to look. So I have to make sure that my bio is updated. But that is, like I said, that is a system that can be taught. That's the other thing that's important to realize, that being organized is a skill set. And and not anybody can just walk into a secretarial or administrative job and be like, oh, yeah, I got this, which is why I always got really irritated with people who are rude to secretaries. Never be rude Mm. to the secretaries. They actually run the company. Exactly. But anyway, um, being organized is a skill set, but you can learn ways to help yourself be better organized. And that's part of what the this, this session, this workshop is about. Yes, absolutely. I think it's one of those things that for some of us, it it's a, for me, organization is almost like an obsession. If oh. I am getting... If Efficiency I get to, is a rush, yo. It is. And see, the problem I have is squirrel brain, right? (laughs) But it's like squirrel brain for organization. Like I will go get a snack and next thing I know I'm organizing the refrigerator. Yes. That's bad. This pantry is not (laughs) in alphabetical order. Everybody get out of my way. Why aren't all these labels turned the correct direction? I can't read what the stuff is. Laces out. Laces out. Yes. So (laughs) I, I will get distracted by organizing things. So I think for some of us, it just 
it's a rush and it's like almost like a nervous tick to organize things. And if I'm part of a group that's not organizing things, like almost twitchy to the point where I have to be like, Mel, Mel, you must not volunteer to organize this. You must not do it. You do not have time. Yes. But, but it is a skill that can be taught to people. And I think that's, that's one of the things I think about pretty often as well. Like I do my weekly newsletter about organization. Why, wait, hold, you have a weekly newsletter? I do. I legit knew this already, not only because Mel and I are friends, but also I subscribe and it's awesome. Okay, there's one newsletter that Mel did about taking a shoe organizer, like that big plastic thing you hang on the back of your door, putting all your cords in there. So now we have a charge cable center in our kitchen. Every Mm -hmm. single charger, every single cord has a labeled pocket and my kids think this is the most amazing thing. It has rocked our world. I am totally not where, like sure where that came out of my brain. Like most of my ideas come when I'm in the shower. Oh, that would be a great way to organize your cables or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but so I do this weekly newsletter and I think, honestly, I think it has helped me because I'm more aware of the things that I'm doing because my goal is to teach other people to do the same things. Yes. Like things that might come naturally to me. I now look like I take a step back from the way I do things and think, Mel, why do you do it this way? And why does it work this way? And there's certainly more than one way to do things. Like I know you and I have talked about the different ways that we organize mm-hmm. our computer files. Yep. You know, and so like you have them sort one way and I have them sort the other way. And both of them work well with our brains. Like yes. you don't do numbers and dates. No, because those are the last thing that are going to stick in my brain. You know how people who have dyslexia talk about how the the words sort of dissolve or the words disappear or they just, they don't, the words, the letters don't stay put? For me, that's numbers. Numbers might as well be written in sand in my brain. They do not stick. I think that my previous jobs must have made this a thing for me or it could be because I'm really good at math. But I start almost every file like if if you and I were talking or a client and I were talking I would start a word document that was labeled like 206 and then I have no idea what we'll that refers to I guess, yeah whereas I would be for example the notes file for the podcast as I compile notes from our conversation is called notes and it's in a folder called mel jolly and that mm-hmm. is dated today because i created it today so i can sort by date because mac knows that i can't do numbers and lets me sort <laughs> by date but the other thing about organization is that because we figured out systems for how to do different things we can explain some cost effective and efficient ways to help other people identify things that they either don't want to do or mm-hmm. don't have time to do, or mm-hmm. shouldn't do because they're not an efficient use of their time. Because there's not only is yeah. there, okay, yes, you can do that yourself, but there's too many things on your to-do list, you're never going to get to it. There's also, which is a more cost-effective solution? Spending a couple of hours figuring out this software to make graphics, or hiring a designer on Fiverr, or asking your virtual assistant to do three graphics for social media and try to do it within half an hour. Right. Because the, the thing that I try to explain to my clients and, and the thing that I've learned as an assistant is I, I have a very wide variety of personalities when it comes to my clients. And so one of the things that I feel like I excel at is knowing 
how to specifically communicate with that client Mm -hmm. and what they do need help with and what they don't need help with. So that's part of the learning curve when I start with somebody new. Like I know that I have a client that I can only email her not one email, but one thing per email. Like I can't send her an email that has a long list of things to do. Like for me, if I receive that email, that would work because it would just be a checklist. Totally. And I would go through the checklist and I would check everything off and it would be done. I know with her, if she opens an email for me and sees five things to do, she's just going to pretend like that email never happened. Like she, <laughs> she will get overwhelmed and she will walk away. Whereas I have the same thing. I love when publishers send me almost like a newsletter of upcoming titles. Like here are all of the July titles. Here are all of the August titles. Boom, 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 boom. And then that works wonderfully for me. And then I know there are some people for whom that would be like, oh, my God, wall of words. No, right. too much right. information. Right. Overwhelmed, yeah. shut down. Yep. I think we all wake up every day with a certain amount of brain energy. Yes. To... I'm holding like... a lighter up. Yeah, I can make a certain, certain number, number of words, certain amount yeah. of brain energy, certain number of decisions. Mm-hmm. So like, I set up my morning so that I don't have to make a decision until like 9 a.m. Like I might get up at 530, but no decisions are made until 9 a.m. I do everything in the exact same order. Like I just I move through the morning and I know that if I do something that is not part of my routine, my brain is like oh, mm-hmm. too early, no decisions to make. So if, if that client is capable of writing things on a calendar, but like you said, does better creatively, if she just forwards me emails and says, remind me, remind me, remind me. And it also keeps her from reading these long, long emails written by people that don't know how to use bullet points. And she can just say, can you remind me and also tell me what they want? Because I have found that some people go on and on and on. When really they could just say, can you send me these three things? Oh, no. There are, there are many people for whom email is a great outlet of much words. <sighs> wall of words. Why? Why wall of words? Why is this? A, that's why. And I am not. I mean, that takes a lot of my brain energy to read that. You know, oh. I do it if it's part of my job. But that's why my newsletter is like, here are these three bullet points. And if you only want to read these three headlines, you'll get the basic gist. Yep. So our workshop on newsletters mm-hmm. is on Friday, and it is at 9.45 in the morning. I think that's our assistant workshop. Excuse me. New, virtual assistant. I beg your pardon. Yes. Virtual assistant. I'm actually looking at the words virtual assistant. You said the wrong thing. <laughs> this is so but great. This is why my brain is not a keeping place place. I, I said newsletter, and it, it triggered your brain. Yeah. So uh, virtual assistants is... Friday at 9.45, and we're going to talk about identifying the things that a virtual assistant can do, finding a virtual assistant, hiring a virtual assistant, budgeting money to pay a virtual assistant. There will be math, but easy to understand math. Yes, easy math. No one be afraid. I'm going to do the math and you just Yeah, I don't do any of the math. It is my understanding that there is no (laughs) math for Sarah. There's no math for Sarah. And if you are not a math person, you just like space out for 30 seconds and then come back. But at the same time, we will be talking also about organizing yourself because one of the most important things to do if you're considering hiring a virtual assistant or even if you're not is to figure out what you do and to organize your time, which is something we both also pay a lot of attention to. 
Yes, and I would say as far as I really think that a wide variety of people could benefit yes. from this simply because of all of the organizational stuff we're going to talk about. And even if someone's not quite ready to hire an assistant, you can really save yourself a lot of time in the future by being organized now. I mean, you can be your own best virtual assistant if you will just keep up with things. If you read my uh, Google Calendar series, then you know that um, my uh, my philosophy is that present Sarah and uh, past Sarah have to work together to help yes. future Sarah because future Sarah is going to be tired and busy. Yes, this is one of my favorite things. Um, <laughs> over the weekend, I was asking past Mel where she had put the pickles because present Mel could not find them. Yeah, they're somewhere. Past Mel was keeping it a secret. Oh, dang you, past Mel. <laughs> I'm sure it made sense at the time, but it doesn't make sense now. And then there's the times when past Sarah has put something in a very logical place so that when I'm like, where's the Sharpie? And I open the drawer, the Sharpie is where the Sharpie goes. <gasps> past Sarah is the best. Yes, or like when I'm looking for a computer file, I, I think before I file it, I think where am I going to look for this? Yep. You know what I mean? If I were to look for this, whatever my gut instinct is now, that is the place that it should be filed in. Yes. So that I, that's why my naming convention, you know, so like I know how to look up things. Like Helps how to use a lot. the search feature. Yes. So I think our, our session on assistance would help a lot of people, and our goal is for someone who is looking to hire either in the immediate future or the distant future or who's already working with someone to feel like they will be better able to find an assistant and will know what they should delegate because I know that can be really overwhelming. And what I to have expect a, when you do. Exactly. What to expect when you do, what to look for, and then how to communicate well because you and I are both a big fans of all the things where you can do it online, like Google Drive. Like we are working on our presentation in Google Drive and yep. and you could type and I could see what we were talking about. Yep. And I'm a huge fan of Basecamp, yep. which is a project management system that can be shared, but there are also a ton of those. So we're going to talk about those as well. Yes. And we have another presentation too. We have two. Yes, we do. Two. That's crazy business too. Woo! We have one on newsletters. And newsletters letter you oh. have a newsletter too i have, have two. two newsletters i have two one of them is the daily rss feed for the site so if you don't want to go to the website or if you can't go to the website because your office blocks things like the word bitches god what a terrible <laughs> website you can have all of the content of the website mailed to you and it goes out at noon eastern and it is basically a feed of the blog content sent directly to you and to my knowledge, unless your email feed is a little wonky, you'll get everything going back 24 hours in your inbox every day. And then we have the books on sale newsletter, which goes out Friday, 1030 in the morning Eastern time. And that's all of the sales that are still valid from the past week. So if you miss a book on sale post, you get them all on Friday. And this is fun because I have learned a great deal about building a good email list but also building an email list of people who really want to be on that list who open the email who click on what's inside who are interested in whatever it is that I'm sharing because that relationship is more valuable than any other social media relationship you have like I got a bunch of followers on Twitter um, that's awesome I have no idea how many of those people are bots or eggs or both right 
But the newsletter, the people who are on the newsletter have asked for me to be in their inbox. That is Which is the coolest feeling. Yes, it's an enormous privilege. And they have invited me into all of the things that they look at in a day, which is substantial. Mm -hmm. So that is a tremendously valuable asset in terms of reaching people who want to hear from you. So we're going to talk about newsletters because they are super valuable and underused and underappreciated. Absolutely. And as far as authors are concerned, I, I would say it's got to be, you know, it, what do you say? It's in your top three selling tools? Yes. I would my, almost uh, even say top two. My, my analogy is to envision yourself, unless you're driving right now, <laughs> or if, if you're on if the you're, treadmill, if you're on the treadmill, just hold on, but just close your eyes. If you can safely close your eyes. If you're, walking the, if you're on. walking the dog, don't close your eyes. You might step in poop. If you're driving, definitely not. If you're on the treadmill, just hold on. But just close your eyes and imagine you are the center of the universe and the entire universe revolves around you, which is really pretty fly. The closest three planets, so Mercury, Venus, and Earth, the things that orbit closest to you are your personal appearances, your newsletter, and your website. And they can be in any of those three orders. Some people cannot do a lot of personal appearances. Some people do a lot of personal appearances. Um, But if you think about... The impact of an author visiting a middle school for a number of sessions Mm -hmm. versus an author sending a tweet at four o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday, that visit has a lot more impact. So your in-person stuff and your newsletter and your website are the three most important pieces. So anything that is in person is very important, but suppose you don't want to do in-person stuff. Exactly. That's okay. Your newsletter and your website are what speak for you when you can't speak for yourself. And the key thing is, the key differential is your website is your real estate and your newsletter Mm -hmm. is your list. You own those pieces of property, those pieces of intellectual property and those email addresses that have voluntarily subscribed themselves. Those are yours. Anything that you post on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, all of these other networks belongs to them when you post it. Your stuff is yours. Yes. And if you... If your like newsletter carrier is Mailchimp and Mailchimp crashes tomorrow, as long as you're backing up your list, which by the way you should be backing up your list, Sarah, you back up your list, right? Yep. Okay, so you should be backing up your list, which just means that you're downloading a spreadsheet of the email addresses. I do it quarterly. That way, I know that I've done it and I've. Caught do you have a calendar reminder? How did you guess? Because I don't know what day it is. (laughs) My brain is not a keeping place. I do that for my clients too. Like I have a recurring monthly reminder that says like, go go back up this person's list on vertical response. But the thing is with those major email carriers like MailChimp, Vertical Response, AWeber, ConvertKit. um, What's the other one I'm missing? Mad Mimi. Mad Mimi, Return Path. All of them are serious business. Mm-hmm. They are also backing themselves up. So yeah, like you don't if this has just made you panic, don't panic. They are also backing themselves <laughs> up. But also too. It's good to have a copy. Backup. Back yeah. yeah. So but but where I was going with that was if one of those things crashes tomorrow, you still have your list and you can take it somewhere else. Yep. Whereas if Facebook or any of those places crash. Like or changes because Facebook changes oh. every other week. This is why social media is not my favorite thing to do. I, it is a it is an important part of my job, and it's valuable. 
it's valuable. And as one of my clients says, I do the things that no one else wants to do. Yep. Well, and, and like social, you said, Facebook is one of them. Well, it's, it's like you said, if you wake up with a certain number of decisions, a certain amount of brain energy, and for me, I think a certain number of words, like there are points in the late afternoon when my kids are home from school where I'm like, guys, I'm out of words. No more wording. Mom needs to recharge. No more words. Okay, no problem. Like they understand, like I'm done. I need a break. Um, if you work, if you if you are using the words and the energy and the brain power, figuring out what Facebook has done now to be different, then that's energy that you can't place elsewhere. Whereas an assistant has to figure that out once and then apply it to all of their clients, which is a much more yes. efficient use of brain energy. Yes. Also, Facebook is annoying. And also, like when I log into Mailchimp on these eight different accounts that I have access to, I don't need the tour every time. Oh Mailchimp, no. I get that you changed it. I took the tour one time. Please stop showing me. Oh, I have um, Wufu for forms mm -hmm. and uh, data collection. And Wufu is forever trying to tell me everything that's new since you left. I'm like, I was just here yesterday, so it's cool. No worries. It's good. I don't need to know. Okay, <laughs> but since you logged in last time, we've up. Okay, thanks. That's really great. And I'm glad I'm paying for a service that is constantly being attended to. That's rad. But seriously, I just need three clicks and I'm done. <laughs> but with newsletters, what we're going to talk about is why a newsletter is awesome. And we're going to talk about building a list, things you do and do not want to do, and then creating a newsletter and using your newsletter. So much of, I think, what happens is I need a newsletter. I need to build a list, build a list, have a newsletter. Okay, I have a newsletter. I don't know what to say. What do I do? What do yes. I put in this newsletter? And I am very fortunate because mine is, mine is a set amount of content, one mm -hmm. that is automatically generated and one that is a very specific thing. If I had to come up with something original every week for the newsletter, okay, A, I'm already doing that on the website, like I said, a limited amount of words. Right. But coming up with what to say on your newsletter can be very difficult. So we'll give you a plan of efficient attack in predicting what you should and should not be putting in your newsletter. Yes. And if you are an author, then the number one thing that fans want to know is when is your next book out? <gasps> no. Exactly. I, like we are a notification society at this point. Oh, and we are a custom, or as um, marketers like to say, bespoke notification <laughs> system. I've never heard that. Bespoke means basically it means custom tailored. So like <laughs> everything that is delivered to you right now is tailored to your specifications and your yeah. preferences. So if somebody says, hey, Sarah, tell me when your next book is out. You need to hold up your end of the bargain and not feel bad about it. Oh, because yes. People that is are asking. Yes. For. Yes. People are asking to hear from you. Hey, Sarah, tell me when books are on sale so that I can buy all the books. Oh, dude, but I'm so there I, for you. Books on sale. Click, 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 click. Like, how many books do I own that I haven't read yet, Sarah? Oh, so I don't know. Join me. So many. So our newsletter is on the 14th at 3.15 p.m. Pacific time. Yeah, afternoon one. So in the morning, oh my one, god, it's my nap time. Sorry, dude. You can have diarrhea if you need to. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm super excited about this workshop. So in the on the Friday morning one, bring your coffee. For the Thursday yes. afternoon one, bring some snacks. You can yeah. totally eat and drink in our sessions, but we're going to talk about organization and making things less stressful because that's what we do. Yes, and you know what? Our newsletter workshop is going to be about organizing yourself as well. Yep. Because we are both very big in plan of attack. Yes. Because I find that the unknown is the the most difficult part to 
to overcome. Oh, and so I think for a lot of people, it's just fear of the unknown is why they haven't done a newsletter yet. It's not that difficult. It's just that there are too many steps and they get overwhelmed. So we're going to break yep. it down. Yep. Like these are the steps. These are the things to think about. If it overwhelms you, you know, like do one. say you want to do a newsletter in a month. Let's break it down. Yep. Work on it a little bit every week. And then in a month you have a newsletter. Yep. So I have an important question for you. Yes. What are you reading? <gasps> I made a list. Oh, I know because you're prepared because, you know, past you and present you have to work together for future you. Yes. And like every, I'm, I am sure I'm not the only podcast listener that does this, but I find that if I listen to too many of your podcasts in a row, I start interviewing myself <laughs> in my head. So Mel, tell me what books you've been listening to or what books you've been reading. And then I think about the people that are surprised by the question. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to be surprised. I've been working on this list for years. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so go ahead. Tell me the okay. things. So I already mentioned The Power of Habit. That book was so good. And for the longest time, I thought that I did not like nonfiction. And I think it just depends on the nonfiction like what the topic is. Yes. I love reading about brains. Oh. Like I, I know you love brains. <laughs> brains are weird. You read Spark, right? I haven't read that one yet. Oh it's on the list. God, it's okay. Spark is the, uh, I think it's the curious effect of exercise on the brain. It will blow your mind. Mm. I made exercise. Um, so I did the Jerry Seinfeld, Don't Break the Chain thing like I bought a giant year calendar and for every day you do the thing that's trying to that's like what you're going to x off for the year I don't mm -hmm. know if I'm explaining this well you get an x for every day you do the thing that you have predetermined is the thing you're going to do right I think for Seinfeld it was write a joke every day yes you know and for a lot of authors it's you know if they want to write every day morning I'm pages going for, whatever yes so I picked exercise because I decided that exercise would have a trickle down effect for me yep. and would improve all the areas of my life. So when yep. I was reading The Power of Habit and they talked about keystone habits and they mentioned exercise, I'm like, I'm so smart. <laughs> it's a keystone <laughs> habit. I'm doing it. <laughs> so I do, I really need to read Spark. And the same guy that wrote The Power of Habit has another one. It's like smarter, faster, better. I don't know. It's all words I like. Be more awesome. You're going to go more gooder. Yeah. Be I keep looking for the book called How to Be Awesome at Everything, but I've yet to find it. Well, it's uh, the trick is there that everyone's definition of awesome is different. And everyone's definition of everything. It's called Smarter, Faster, Better, The Secrets of Being Productive in Life and Business. That is on my to-read list. As far as other um, books that I've read, <laughs> The Four <laughs> Agreements. Have you read that one yet? I think I have read several summaries of it. Okay. It is one of those books that it would be, it's not very long and it would be really easy to devour like really quickly, mm -hmm. but I've read it twice now. And so I just would read a little bit in the morning, like after I would do my stretching and my meditation and my journaling time, I would read like a few pages and reflect on those pages. And it has been, I would say that's been one of the more life-changing books for me. I think my favorite thing in that book is the idea that other people's actions a lot of the time have absolutely nothing to oh, do with you yes that's incredibly yeah. liberating especially if you have like social anxiety or anxiety in general 
The idea that someone else's behavior may have exactly zero to do with you is incredibly comforting sometimes. Yes. And the other thing that stood out to me in that book was that you should always do your best. That's one of the four agreements. But the part that was news to me is that you should not do better than your best. And I was like, what? (laughs) Better than your best is a thing? Someone is a type A overachiever. Also me. (laughs) If I'm not exhausted, then I'm not doing my best. But it it talks about how if you're constantly doing better than your best, then you are going to exhaust yourself and you won't be able to consistently do your best. And your best is not the same on every day. Like on a day you're sick, your best is different than your best on a day that you're healthy. I mean, it was so liberating. And I would say as far as an, an overall life attitude change for me, that book has been so key for me because I, I decided at the beginning of 2015 that I was going to focus on my attitude and I was going to focus on being positive and I was going to focus on the things that I could control. You know, hello, type A, over-controlling, uh-huh. wanting to organize everybody's everything. Yep. That, that can be a little exhausting thinking Just about all a those things. Yes. And I know you've talked about this book before, but I really enjoyed 2K to 10K, which is Rachel Aaron's writing book. Oh, that's also about organizing yourself in a lot of ways. It it's about analyzing when you work best and mm-hmm. the conditions under which you write the most productively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love how she talked about giving yourself a game plan, yep. you know, and that's true you know, in my, in my work life, in my assistant life, I keep a little clipboard here with just a piece of paper and it's got one of those plastic sheet protectors on it. And I just use it as a little dry erase board and I'll write next to a client name. So even though I have the online stuff, handwriting something helps put it in my brain and and tell me where I'm going and what I'm doing next. Oh, absolutely. I, I do almost everything digitally, but I always have a notebook to write things down. Mm-hmm. Um, because, okay, this is a very strange thing with my brain, and maybe I'm not the only one who has this experience, but when I am writing something down by hand, especially if it's in pencil, and especially if I take my glasses off, I am not editing what I say while I write. Hmm. If I type, I am editing because it's text yes. and I can read it very clearly and it's on a screen, which is where I do all the editing things anyway. So mm-hmm. if I want to write something down very quickly or very, very roughly sketch out an idea or write notes for a review. It's much easier for me to do that quickly with pencil on paper than it is, even though I am a very, very fast typist. Handwriting is very important if that's a part of your brain that is engaged uniquely. It is. And for me, I've even found, like I've experimented with the difference between writing in cursive and writing in print. Mm -hmm. Because there's something like all my journal entries are in cursive at this point. Because there's just something very soothing for me about writing in cursive. And one of my former coworkers, when I was a library assistant, she brought this up recently. And it's been like 10, I don't know how many years, it's been eight years since I worked at the library. She was like, you were always kind of a pen snob. You were always <laughs> writing. You were always writing these very specific pens on the list because we, we got you know, office supplies and there was somebody whose job it was to buy our pens. Yep. I'm always like, I specifically need the Bic five millimeter roller ball. Yep. Are you a lefty? 
No, I'm a righty. <laughs> I have gotten my husband, who is a lefty, like a hard lefty. Like there is n- only writing with his left hand. There's no mm-hmm. flexibility on this. I got him hooked on the Jetstream, which is an, a rollerball pen that is great for lefties because it dries instantly. Oh. And I need you to help me find those pens. I need to order them for myself. I need more. <laughs> like he was like, Wait, I, need, I need them. I, I need these pens. Like I need them now. I <laughs> I actually got my new favorite pens as um swag. Well, what's and your new favorite? It is the big rollerball. Um, I think it's five millimeter. Oh wait, here I have one right here. See, I'm using the one that's swag, which was so difficult because it doesn't say on there exactly what it is yeah. because it's imprinted. So it's the big grip roller fine point. Ooh. It's just so smooth. I just love it. I use the, uh, what is this? Come here, pen. What are you? It is the Friction, Pilot Friction Erasable. Oh. And and in the erasable part, legit erases. It doesn't, really? it does not scour the surface of the paper to remove the visible ink. <laughs> it actually erases. Now, this means that if it gets wet, it's just, it's everywhere. It's not a very, um, very strong ink it is not indelible it is super lightweight but when it comes to writing very quickly smoothly and then being able to erase awesomeness Ooh, i might have to check that out yeah what is it with pens i don't know but like you said you know like it connects to your brain and that's part of what i liked about rachel aaron's book was one of her big discoveries was that if she took five minutes and just sketched out very briefly what she was going to write, Mm -hmm. it massively increased her word count. Because she had a roadmap of where to go. Yes, I love roadmaps. And could connect those points. Oh, absolutely. I do not. That's how I write reviews. I write a list of things that I want to make sure Mm -hmm. I mention. And then I sit down and sometimes I set a timer to see how fast I can do it. And like 2,000 words later, I'm like, oh, well, that was a lot of things to say. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes I know the grade and sometimes I read the review and then I know the grade. Oh, yep, that's grade, interesting. The grade is often disconnected from the text. The grade has to match the text. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I know the grade and then the text explains the grade. And sometimes mm-hmm. I write the text and go, okay, now I know where this fits in my rubric. Right. Writing is sense. weird. It is. And it it takes, because of my job being such a wide variety I sometimes order my tasks based on which part of my brain I'm going to use, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I'm constantly readjusting my schedule to figure out what works best for me. Like, is it best to start with like a visually creative task first thing in the morning, like graphics, mm-hmm. which is something I really enjoy. Or honestly, you're going to hate this. Sometimes it is easiest for me to start with accounting because it's math and it's got Perfectly a right answer adequate. and it's a wrong answer. And it, it actually doesn't take as much of my brain as some other things. Whereas if I have to ghostwrite something, oh, that is so hard. And when I say ghostwrite, what I mean is I might draft out something for a client and then pass it along to them. Like I do the grunt work of the first draft and then they, they might do polish. it. And they might polish. And this is totally not books. This would be like, Hey, Mel, can you sketch out some ideas about, you know, like in response to these interview questions? Mm-hmm. Or um, authors that have FAQs on their website. Yes. Uh, content that is going to be reused or, or present in more than one place. Yes. That kind of content. Absolutely. 
And especially with the FAQs, if I am managing their email, which is another thing that I do often, maybe not somebody's primary inbox, but their public inbox, mm -hmm. like I might sort and tag things. I will have a better idea of what their frequently asked questions are. Oh, of course. You know, because I know how many times I've heard, are your books going to be made into a movie? You know? Oh, like, if I'll, only we I'll were know. in control of such things. If only. If only. So uh, another book that I really enjoyed was, it's called As You Wish, Inconceivable Tales from the Making of the Princess Bride. And it is read by Carrie Ellis. Oh, mercy. Oh, my God. When I figured this out, that this book even existed, I don't know how I missed it. I think it came out a couple of years ago. Immediately, audible, immediately, get into my earbuds. Now. <laughs> and it was every bit as good as I thought it was going to be. I love The Princess Bride, the book and the movie. And I love those kind of like backstage books. Oh, behind the scenes is some of my favorite stuff. And I can't figure out if it's just because I have a theater degree that it's interesting or if that's just, they mean, there are a lot of celebrity autobiographies now. So it must be a fairly popular genre. I also read Amy or listened to Amy Poehler's book, oh, which is called uh, Yes, Yes, Please. Mm -hmm. And the only part I was disappointed about with that book is she really did not talk about the making of Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> which, which I really wanted to hear about. There is something on Netflix about that, though. Like, it's a behind-the-scenes thing. Yes. Um, I know that you and I have talked about this, but I have recently discovered the crack that is the Maiden Lane series by Elizabeth Hoyt. <laughs> oh, dear God. I never want them to end. Never. And it's a good thing I'm sort of a slow reader. So I can make a, you know, it's, let's see, book 10 just came out. And I'm on like book six. I'm on book six right now. Book, it'll probably take me the rest of the summer to get to book 10. Mm, I don't know. I have a vacation, so maybe not. But oh my God, those books are so crackerific. <laughs> you just can't stop reading them. And then I like to go and read Elise's reviews because she's so like spot on. Oh, she's she loves that series and she's hilarious. And when she was talking about Wicked Intentions and about how she's like, are you all thinking what I'm thinking? Lucius Malfoy, yep. right? <laughs> that's, that's who this is. Yes? Yeah, I'm, probably. Exactly. So yes, Elizabeth Hoyt is actually a client and I don't know, I think I got intimidated by her backlist because... <laughs> this is a substantial backlist. Well, and we've been working together for two years, just over two years at this point. And so when she came to me, she already had like her 20th book. Let's see. This was her 20th book. Duke of Sin was her 20th book, right? So she came to me and she already had something like 16 or 17 in her backlist. And I generally do try to read at least a couple of books by my clients. But she comes to me with this enormous backlist and I'm like, oh, forget it. <laughs> I'll never be able to read all those. Plus, and I know this makes me an unusual romance reader. I thought I hated historicals, honestly. I think I, I just. You're not the first person I've heard say that. I just, I thought I did. And I think it's just I picked up a couple that were not right for me. And they were also 
you know, I know you've talked about world building in historicals mm -hmm. and I know it's got to be tricky for historical authors because they have to explain enough that a new reader will know what was going on, but not so much the people that read historicals all the time will be like, dude, I do not need this explanation. Please continue. <laughs> um, but I picked a couple, a, a couple that mentioned like the ton and I'm like, I don't know what any of this is. I'm out of here. I don't care about dresses. Please quit <laughs> describing this. But the thing about Hoyt and about Courtney Milan, who is also a client. So I, I did read her books as they were coming out uh, because she was a client. And then I, I did really enjoy them as well. But both of them write about not the upper class. Yes, they write about multiple class levels. Right. And so that, I think, is key for me in historicals because... If it's just about balls and some of the conflicts that can arise out of being part of the upper class, I'm like, this is boring. <laughs> I don't like thinking about contemporary billionaires either. Oh, <laughs> first world private jet problems. <laughs> private my life. jet problems. Stay away from them. Stay away. I have a good job. Do you, have you ever read Rose Lerner? No, I haven't yet. You would like that. I, I need to check her out. Now that now that my eyes are opened and I don't hate historicals, I can do that. But I did always like um, contemporaries. And so when I discovered Julie James, I binge read the crap out of Julie James. Oh, yes. Just everything. And I know that you have interviewed her and you guys have talked about how she writes alpha females. Yes. And alpha males. Yes. The other thing I think that she's really good at, and this this kind of goes along with your competence porn, I have always been really intrigued by different jobs. Oh, yes. You know, and she is so good at describing not just that someone is competent at their job, but like what that entails. Like I love that one of her books ends with the main character getting a promotion. And that was like almost as satisfying as the romantic ending as well. Yep. I completely agree. She just, she's really good. So, and she's another one of those that like, she's got, I think we have another year before her next book comes out. As soon as it's up for pre-order, I'm going to be like, grabby hands, click, click. How many times can I click this? Does it make it come faster? No. Okay. <laughs> so I hope people come to our sessions. I hope so too. I think they're going to be really great. And um, I know I'm really excited about them. Yeah. I love teaching things. Like I said, since I can't volunteer to, to organize everybody's everything, at least maybe I can teach people to organize their everything. Yep. And you can teach people that being disorganized and feeling overwhelmed does not have to be a constant state. No. No, I am no, developing a, an online course to address that very idea that you do not have to feel overwhelmed. You can make your time under control. Yes, and and the more that you have a system, the easier it is to deal with things. Yes, systems and are the good. Systems are good, and they keep things from falling by the wayside. Yep. You know, that horrible feeling when you realize that you forgot to do a thing like yep. pay your mortgage. Yep. Or pick up your kid at school. Oops, you don't want to do that. Nope. There's no shame in needing a calendar reminder. That's all I'm saying. Oh, um, I need a calendar reminder to remind me what time the bus comes to the corner because I don't know what time it is. 
Exactly. And I accept and this about what? myself. I can't change this about my brain. My brain is this way. It is just the way it is. I don't remember numbers and I don't have any concept of time. And that's okay because I've worked out a system that works with my brain to keep me on schedule. So then I'm not letting anyone down who's depending on me. Exactly. And you know what? I think that it's important to own those sorts of things about yourself. Like yes. my newsletter from Sunday was about how I am super messy, and even if I'm not eating, I will get food on my clothes. Yep. And so when I dyed my hair purple, I taped garbage bags all over my bathroom. Yep. Because I know that I am messy, and it is much easier for me to just own that about myself. Yep. And and learn to live with it. Yep. But you can you can develop skills. You know, if you're not naturally organized, you can tape garbage bags to your life. Yep. Sarah might can teach you sweaty. the organizational ways. <laughs> yeah, that might be a little sweaty. <laughs> that, that analogy might go to a really, just like a weird place. I don't Feeling know. Feel like a slip and slide. Your life can be as easy as a slip and slide. <laughs> Wee! I don't know. I hurt myself the last time. I yeah, me and too. I'm not so good at slipping and sliding. I was like, I'm not old. I can slip and slide. Oh, God. I think I pulled something important. <laughs> abdominal. I couldn't, I couldn't really sit up. Oh, dear. <laughs> and that is all for this week's episode. Thank you to Mel Jolly for hanging out with me and talking about all the things. If you're going to RWA, I hope you will think about attending our sessions. And if you've got questions about them or you can't attend or you want to know more, you can always email me at sarah at smartbitchestrashybooks.com and I can connect all of us together and answer all your questions because email is what we do. Lots of it. Do you have too much email? I have too much email. It's kind of alarming. But yet, I like it when people email me about books and questions and stuff. That's awesome. It's the, hey, I want to pitch you guest entries and guest content about frying pans and hubcaps. That's the things that drive me nuts. And seriously, you would not believe how much guest content pitching is going on right now. It's just goofy. I, I can't explain it. This podcast was brought to you by you because you are awesome and you tune in each week and listen. And if you're new or you've been listening for a long time, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. The podcast transcript this week is brought to you by Kensington, publishers of Once a Soldier by New York Times bestselling author Mary Jo Putney, the first book in a brand new series about a dashing group of soldiers and spies, Rogues Redeemed. Once a Soldier has all the best of Mary Jo Putney's talents on display. Captivating characters, daring adventures, gripping intrigue, and exceptional historical detail all rolled up into a thoroughly passionate and complex love story. It is the historical romance of the summer, so don't forget to pick up your copy on sale June 28th. If you are a listener or a fan or a brand new person, welcome! I wanted to invite you to check out our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash smartbitches. For monthly pledges starting at $1 a month, you can help support the show, keep it going, and help me make sure that we have transcripts for every episode. There are rewards and different levels of pledging and lots of fun things involved. And if you've checked it out already, thank you very, very much. And now it's time for some compliments. Are you ready? This is fun. This is so fun. Okay, here we go. Brandy. You've got courage that never quits, even when you really need a nap. Leslie, you are better than bacon, and if you don't like bacon, you're better than your favorite thing. Elizabeth, folks wish they had all of your superpowers. Laura B., your dance moves are the best in every known galaxy. Mary B., 
When you wake up, you are the finest achievement of every day. And Emily, poems will be written about the food you make for the people you love. Now, if you're wondering what is going on and what is happening, you can check out patreon.com slash smartbitches and have a look. Different pledge levels come with different rewards, and some of them are completely goofy but deeply meant compliments from yours truly. Thank you to everyone who has helped support the show. I am so grateful for your support. That is just amazing. And I every time I look at that, I'm just floored. It is so great. Thank you. Our music is brought to you by Sassy Outwater. You can find her on Twitter at Sassy Outwater. This is Treacherous Orchestra. Is that not like a really great band name? <laughs> Treacherous Orchestra. This is their album Grind. This track is called The Sly One, and you can find it at Amazon or iTunes or wherever you like to buy your music. And big thanks to Sassy for sending me original cool music every week. I will have links to all of the books and shortcuts and tools that we li- we listed during the podcast, the pens that we talked about, our workshops. It's going to be awesome. And if you have questions or suggestions or you have ideas, you can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like information about sponsoring the podcast or sponsoring an episode, totally email me there as well. And if you have a question, if you want some book recommendations and you'd like to leave a message, you can call 1-201-371-3272. That's 201-371-3272. And leave a message there, and I will use that file in an upcoming podcast if I can hear it clearly, and make sure that I answer your question. It's awesome to hear from you, whether by email or by voicemail or just, you know, reviews that you leave on iTunes. Y'all are an amazing group of people. Thank you for hanging out with me each Friday. And on behalf of Mel and myself and everyone here, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend.